Welcome to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget, you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Let's get right to work. Transformative is what our message is today. And so in verse 28, it says, Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, James, and John and went up to the mountain to pray. So why did they go up to the mountain? They went up there to spend time in prayers. Jesus often did. We talked about that last time. And we know that they're right outside of Caesarea Philippi. So the other Gospels tell us that it was right outside of Caesarea Philippi where Jesus went out to pray and they came to him. And then he said those sayings about the cost of discipleship and all the things that he talked about. And yet that's quite a ways away, 62 miles to be exact, from Caesarea Philippi to Mount Tabor, where traditionally they say the Mount of Transfiguration was. And if you've ever seen Mount Tabor, you can look it up on Google. You'll see that it's in a bit in the middle of a plain, and it's just a big mound. It's nothing we would call a mountain. It's just a big mound. We might call it the big pimple or something like that. It's just, it's like that. It's just a big mound that's sitting out there in the middle of nowhere, about 2,000 feet high. So it's a pretty big hill, but not something that we would call a, a, a large mountain or a high mountain. And quite a ways away. I mean, that'd be quite the trek. It says here eight days, about eight days after these sayings, the other gospels cut off the day of and the day after, I guess. And, and they, they kind of, they shrink it down to six. He says about, they say six. You know, probably six days of travel between one to the other. But that's 62 miles on foot over pretty rough terrain would be quite the hike to get to Mount Tabor. The other thing is archaeology has revealed recently that there was a fortress on top of Mount Tabor for Roman soldiers. And so I don't know that Jesus would want to go out there with the Roman soldiers and say, hey, guys, scoot over, we're going to have a moment. Maybe not. But what makes more sense and what more commentators today believe is that they actually went to Mount Hermon which some people call Hermon, which I don't like. So we're going to call it Hermon. It just seems weird, Hermon. I don't know. Anyway, Mount Hermon. And, and that mountain is a high mountain. It's just right there next to Caesarea Philippi. It's just about five miles to the base of Caesarea, from Caesarea Philippi to the base of the mountain and another five miles up to the peak. It's 11,000 feet up. And it's snow-capped. And there's actually a ski resort there today. So you could have a holy moment there skiing. But the reason I think it's this is because this is a high mountain and they would have climbed about, you know, who knows, 5,000 feet up. I don't know how, it doesn't tell us how high up on the mountain they went, but they climbed up this mountain. And, and then you have to ask the question, another question that comes up when we think about the story is why did Jesus just take these guys? What about the other nine? What about Thaddeus and what about, what about Judas or the other Judas or what about you know, the other James. Why, why did they just take these three guys, Peter, James, and John? What about Andrew? You know, and, and then we have to realize that, you know, actually Jesus had a group of disciples, the 12 disciples, but he had many more disciples than that. But then within that group, he had kind of a tight-knit or, or an inner, a tight-knit circle, an inner circle 
between him and these three guys. And sometimes Andrew would be involved in that, and sometimes not. But it seems like these guys were part of that. And sometimes we wonder about that when it comes to life. You know, how come God doesn't use me to do that? Or how come I don't get to do that ministry or, or the other ministry? Or how come Jesus would choose that person to do what I feel like I want to do? And, and yet, why should that matter to us? What other people do, right? And, and that's really the message that we get, especially when Peter comes to Jesus and Jesus tells him, hey, there's going to be a day they're going to bind you and carry you where you don't want to go. And what was Jesus, what was Peter's response to Jesus? Remember that? What about him? Points at John. And he says, if he remains until I return, what's that to you? You follow me. And, and, and John, of course, John, and he's one of these, he would have a different ministry than Peter. Peter would be the guy who would always open his mouth. He would always be out front. Peter would be a leader amongst the 12. You know, on the day of Pentecost, he's the one to preach. On, on the, the day of the, the gospel coming to the Gentiles, it would be God who uses Peter. And so maybe that's why he's included in this, because he had, God has a special thing for him, for Peter, that he's going to do. Well, what about John? Well, God had a special thing for him, too. Well, all the other disciples were martyred and killed for their faith, Peter being crucified upside down. John would remain. In fact, Domitian tried to boil him in oil, but when that was unsuccessful, what would that look like? And I don't know if Peter or if John was unscathed from that. It, history doesn't tell us. It just says that he tried to boil him in oil and he, he was unhurt, and so he exiled him to Patmos instead. And he died in his 90s. I think a lot of people thought John is going to remain until he comes back. You know, he lasted forever. But then what about James? Well, James would actually be the first one of the 12 to die. Herod would grab him, cut his head off, right? And so you, you just don't know. And, and what a responsibility that is, is to be the one disciple, the first disciple to say, hey, I'm going to give up my life for Jesus. And so Jesus has a different ministry for each of these guys and a different ministry for all the other disciples as well. But for whatever reason, he took them on the high mountain with him. Some would say it's because they're, they're the remedial group. He needs to keep his eye on those three. I know that. I have six kids. I understand who's the remedial kid. You know, needs to be kept his eye on. Verse 29, as he prayed, the appearance of the face, his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. So they find a good spot. They break camp or make camp, excuse me. And Jesus begins to pray. Now, this passage is usually called the transfiguration. You're probably familiar with that. Because the other two gospels, the other two synoptic gospels, Matthew and Mark, both call, both use the word Jesus was transfigured. And that Greek word is metamorpho, which is where we get our word metamorphosis. And that's what it means to be changed from one thing to something else. When you think of this word, we think of metamorphosis of a caterpillar into a butterfly. We see this green, slimy-looking caterpillar with little antennae and a bunch of legs, and then it makes this chrysalis, and out pops the monarch butterfly. The one is, as it's climbing on your arm, you're like, ugh, get off of me, ugh, yuck. But then the other one, you're chasing through the field with a little net. You know, it's a flying flower, you know. And, and how different is the transformation between a, a, a caterpillar and a beautiful butterfly? Or, you know, on the slimier side, you have the tadpole into the frog, right? It's just a completely different animal, completely different looking thing. And it tells us that Jesus was metamorphosed or transformed 
transfigured before them. Luke tells us that his face was altered. What does that mean? His face changed? Well, Matthew gives us some insight into that. He says it's shone like the sun. What does that mean? What did that look like? You know, he's looking at Jesus and all of a sudden, ha you know, his face gets super bright. His clothes turns white and glistening, super white, like lightning, the other Gospels tell us, like the sun in, in its full strength. I don't know about you, but I would love to see Jesus like this. Wouldn't that be awesome to be in a room and Jesus was there and all of a sudden, you know, he's just glowing and right before you. Years, years later, John would see this again. We read a description of Jesus as nothing like anything, any painting of Jesus that we normally would see or any depiction of Jesus that we normally would see. And he's in these white robes and he has eyes as the flame of fire and, and his hair is white as snow and his feet like fine brass. And it's just like this intense picture of Jesus that John would see. I don't know that it's exactly the same, but certainly transfigures, certainly transformed into something that John was not used to. You know, it's not uncommon for people to see Jesus like this. You know, it seems like a strange thing, but, you know, in the, in the book of Acts, we see several times where Jesus appears, a couple times he appears to Paul, just, just Paul. And he stands by him and he says, hey, things are going to go this way or things are going to go that way. And Paul gets to see him. I think the first time I ever heard of anybody seeing the resurrected Christ was when I read a book about Sundar Singh. He was a, he was a Sikh or Sikh. He was a, Indian Sikh, and Jesus appeared to him, and he became a Christian. And then I remember reading the book, I Dared to Call Him Father, and that was a a woman who who was Muslim. Her husband left her. She was kind of going through a dark period of her her life, and she began to have these dreams and visions of Jesus and John the Baptist, and she ends up becoming a Christian. And and yet this has become kind of a, a phenomenon that's happening in our day, probably more and more and increasing. Tom Doyle writes several books about it, about people that Jesus is appearing to, that are becoming Christians in the Muslim world, the Alawite world, the Druze people, people from, and even Christians, people, Orthodox people, having visions of Jesus and coming to a real faith in Jesus or, or abandoning their Muslim or Hindu religions to follow Jesus. It's pretty amazing. In fact, it's, it's becoming such a thing in the Middle East that oftentimes in closed countries where you're not allowed just to go up to people and talk to them about Jesus, oftentimes people will just go up and say, have you had any interesting dreams lately? And, and oftentimes people say, yeah, I've been having these weird dreams about Esau or Jesus, the, the prophet, you know, if they're Muslim. And so these things are happening around the world. It's bizarre stuff. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, Call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208-991-2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmet.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening, and remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless. Abide in Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho.
Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless you.